Hello, everyone. Welcome to a special edition of Coronation Conversations hosted by Triumph Limited. Triumph is a venture capital investor and a venture builder. My name is Musa Isaka, the digital asset lead at Triumph Limited. And today we'll be discussing the topic from open banking to open X, a limitless opportunity with Okwe Adoye. Who are we at Triumph Limited? Triumph, we are venture capital investors and we are also venture builders. And in our four years in venture building, we've come across a new wave in Nigeria called open banking. And we are sat here today with Ope Adoye, one of the pioneers of open banking in Nigeria. Ope has spent 20 years in technology and payments ecosystem in various capacities, including engineering and leading high performance product teams and deal sourcing for M&A activities. Most notable is his work helping birth and grow QuickTeller and lending services while at InterSwitch Nigeria. He holds an engineering degree from the University of Illinois and certificates from Lagos Business School and Stanford. Okwe is the founder and chief plumber at OnePipe, a company building a platform that makes it possible for organizations launch and embed financial services into their products. He also serves as a trustee at Open Technology Foundation, helping with advocacy for open banking Nigeria. Welcome. Okay. Good to have you with us. Thank you very much for having me. Um, I'd like to say it's a pleasure to have you with us. And I want to start our conversation on open banking with the discussion as to what it is. Um, what is this initiative mm -hmm. and what is its potential impacts in Nigeria? Um, again, thank you for having me. Uh, as usual, I would always like to do this definition thing by quoting a mutual friend of ours, Deji. He likes giving the example a lot and I like just quipping it every time it comes up. The way to look at it is you hold a bank debit card in your hands and you never have to think whether that card will fit into the ATM in your front. It doesn't matter the country you're in. It doesn't matter who owns the ATM in your front. It doesn't matter who gave you that card. You just know this card will fit into this ATM and cash will come out. That's made possible to some degree because there are standards that are defined. There are standards around the size of the card around what the slot in the ATM should look like. There are standards around how the content of the card is read by the ATM, how it is transmitted to your bank. All of this work together and just give you the confidence that this card I hold, it doesn't matter if it's an ATM in my front, it will work. Now, let's bring that into open banking. Open banking then says that broad principle-wise, what if every bank, every financial institution had clearly defined interfaces for interacting with it? At the end of the day, the business of a bank boils down to largely treasury and risk, largely. And whether it is lending, whether it is, uh, I won't want to call it investment, but returns on your money. Yeah. That's what banks do. Now, behind these two services lie many internal processes, operations, etc., etc., that make it possible. Now, imagine that there were standards that make it possible to expose those things to the outside world to some degree. It just opens up what is possible. Mm -hmm. uh, it means that you can feel free, for example, just going to the very extreme now, using the same analogy of the card. Mm -hmm. You can feel free to live in Germany and consume services from a bank in Nigeria, for example. Mm -hmm. um, again, just because you know precisely how that bank will respond. Uh, you need a customer's data or information around their spending history, spending pattern, and it doesn't matter who banks the customer. You as the external entity that needs that information can get that information. When you point it to bank A, 
is the same way. When you point it to bank B, it's the same way. When you point it to bank C, exactly the same. Mm -hmm. So that's open banking, broadly speaking. Okay. So what I'm getting from you is open banking is a way of standardizing banking services and to make it interoperable. And one of the big advantages I'm getting from you is the interoperability factor. Um, Do you mind like explaining that to us? How does standardizing banking, making banking services open, how does it help? Like 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 the example you mentioned, how does it help a person in Germany access services from a Nigerian bank. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I'll, I'll, I'll take it to the extreme yet again and say beyond interoperable, oh. there's making it extendable. Oh. Uh, so for example, there's a level of risk a bank will take. Uh, there's a level, it's, it's just corporate governance issues, regulatory. There's a level of risk a bank will take on a customer, right? Oh. So I want a mortgage when I'm fresh out of school, for example. I doubt I will find a bank that's going to take care of that. Go work for 15 years and come back. Right? <laughs> now, but there will be, whether it's fintechs or smaller finance houses or whoever that are comfortable with that kind of risk because they can price it in. Unfortunately, my spending history, my banking history, whatever, is locked in my bank in a sense. Mm-hmm. Now, imagine that that third party that can take a higher degree of risk is able to assess my financial health or mm-hmm. behavior through my bank they are able to then offer me the mortgage I'm looking for, even though I'm 22 years old. Mm. Thank you. <laughs> they are able to offer me that mortgage I'm looking for, probably at a higher price than the bank could have done. Mm-hmm. Split some of that income with the bank. Everybody is kind of happy. I've been taking from my future earnings and the mortgage house is fine. The bank is fine. Mm. I am fine. All because the bank that couldn't take the risk because again, for many reasons, made it possible for the person willing to take the risk to have the tools with which they can take that risk. So that's just one example of how you could extend the reach of financial services just because banks became open. Yeah, no, I like I like the analogies of extending because it opens it opens services. For, so like like the example you use, open services to people who might not have access to it traditionally, and opens opens other avenues to businesses to take advantage. So it's Correct. a market opener. Correct. So by standardizing the market, we can open up the market. But right. I'm sure you like you realize um by opening up the market means everybody can see what is happening. So how do we protect the users in this open banking era? Yeah, so it's one of the consent is one of the biggest um considerations in open banking and open finance in general. Um in fact anything open. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, consent is always one of the biggest uh, considerations. Now in the spirit of how people have approached consent one of the things that must always be done, if you are, whether you're going to access my data or you are going to move my money or you are going to book some risk product against me, whatever it is that you're doing with those open APIs provided by the bank or those open interfaces the bank has provided has to be with the explicit consent of the customer. Then this now introduce all sorts of dynamics. How do you get the consent of the customer? Mm. Uh, you need to let it be so that it's the bank that asks for the consent. The consent resides with the bank. It is verifiable by a third party, maybe a regulator who says, yes, I therefore, com- if there's ever an audit in future, I confirm that Oppe gave consent mm. to bank X so that company C can give him that mortgage and it to be pullable or retrievable. Uh, that's the right mm. word, retrievable if it's ever need to be audited. So consent is key. Uh, without going into too much of the technology details, there are all sorts of ways to then implement this type of content, consent protocols. Mm. Uh, many open banking practitioners then propose different ways to, and then you adopt one and you know. 
And is this consent retrievable? Like, is it if I give consent for my bank to use my information and then two months down the line, I, I adopt? Oh, by all means. In fact, the, many of the uh, things that we push forward in most of the open banking communities that you see is around consent is even time bound. I don't just give you my consent. It doesn't end because I gave you my consent. When you're asking for my consent, you need to tell me several things. Is this for one week? Is this for two weeks? Is this for 10 years? Is it forever? Is it just for my account history? Is it for my balance? Is it to move my money? You need to give me as much information as is required to help me make that decision. And if I ever choose to revoke that consent, you need to give me the tools to also revoke that consent. This is kind of thing that will give people the confidence that open banking doesn't mean your world now has access to to your livelihood no like um and just to put a more like relatable touch on it um what's the image that's coming to my head is of the cookies that follow in your browser you always have to accept the Bless cookies you, Jerry. each yeah. time so I'm, I'm thinking that kind of scenario can yeah. happen for your bank exactly yes. exactly in that's fact it should even be easier so uh, there are jokes around how cookies have made internet harder to read like every page now has the <laughs> accept like, cookies accept mm-hmm. cookies mm-hmm. but then to Revoke access to those cookies. You need to go to your browser, your cache, find one corner mm-hmm. to then delete the cookies. Open banking advocates and says, no, the day you are asking me for my consents, you give me an easy way to say, anytime you ever need to revoke this consent, if it could just be a link, anytime you need to, re- like how you get emails and you have on subscribe button, I see. it should always be that simple. Okay. You ask for my consent, you give me the way to revoke that consent and I can keep it by myself and I can cancel it anytime I want. I think we've done a good job of covering what open banking entails. We've looked at how it opens and like you said, how it extends markets. I will also look at how we can protect ourselves in this new open banking era. But like when we were discussing this, you mentioned something about interfaces and APIs. And from what I've gathered, um, open the bedrock of open banking is the technology interfaces, the APIs that power this. Can you tell us what? To a layman, what is an API? I was just about to ask you that. I'm much, <laughs> I'm much jargon. You know, just, we don't have to go deep into the weeds, but we just need to know what we're talking about when we're talking yeah. about APIs. Uh, so for, for from a complete layman perspective, uh, APIs are technology protocols that make it possible to interact with a tech product on the other side. So for example, you want to browse a website you know you will type an address in your browser, mm-hmm. right? The APIs are the equivalent of that. Imagine that there's no browser, but you want to talk to your banking, core banking at the other end mm-hmm. and say, give me OPS KYC information. Oh. I'm a system, the thing on the other end is also a system. APIs are the things you put in the middle. Almost like how you mm-hmm. type an address, mm-hmm. you put mm-hmm. the right in quotes address and call it hmm. and the bank will answer you but all of this is happening behind the scenes then you can then put any front end you like in front so um to borrow your analogy like apis are the pipes huh. behind <laughs> let me do a good plug now this is a good way to talk about your business um, apis are the pipes that kind of connect these services between Take my job. Take my no, job. No, 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 no. <laughs> please, please, please. I learned I learned this from studying you. So this is me just repeating what I learned from you. Like I said, I'm borrowing your face from you. I'm like you, and you described yourself as the cheap plumber at one pipe. So um when now we're talking about APIs and talking about pipes, we can also talk about um what one pipe does and how one pipe kind of takes advantage of the API infrastructure as we're talking about. So this would give our audience a more tangible 
relationship to APIs. Yeah, so you're right. APIs are like the pipes that connect the, again, another analogy I like to use, mm. that, con- that take water from the stream, see the stream as if it's the bank, yeah. see the farm where I planted my goods as if it's the market, right? And I need to irrigate that farm. Oh. I'm going to put some pipe into the stream. I'm going to put some pump to make sure the water comes out of the stream, passes all the way through the pipe and gets to the farm. Oh. APIs are like those pipes that move data or whatever you really are trying to do from the bank being the stream, the source, to the market, the farm. And, the, and I, I love this analogy because it helps us actually dig deeper so we can go into the weeds without using technical jargon, so you speak. So um, in this pipe system, so what effects? Now we've taken the banking system and we've connected all sorts of pipes to them. So we're sucking a lot of water out of what used to be the banks. So what role does this new bank or in this era, how does the how does the bank of 20 years into the open banking era, how is the bank different from banks today? There's one thing everyone will struggle to do better than a banker. Oh. And that is banking. <laughs> like, no, you can wear all the best jeans and t-shirts and say you're a tech bro, oh. whatever <laughs> claim you are. There's just one thing you will not do better than a banker. And that is banking. Okay. It, it takes years of practice. It's mm-hmm. it's 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 now, if open banking takes roots, let's like fast forward 20, 30 years from now, and it really just takes root, takes over the whole place. If that really happens, what would then happen is that real banks and bankers will be the custodian of the regulatory interfaces and the regulatory interventions that make sure that people are not people's money don't get lost, Mm. the right safeguards are in place. Mm. So banks will become kind of like a concentrate provider that keeps everybody in check while the players in the markets are now the ones providing the last mile bespoke services for me and you. It creates significant competition on the outside, but let's bank hold what is their core. What that means is that you could end up having leaner banks, much more profitable banks because a bank that executes open banking properly, for example, is able to leverage the effort of outsiders to get income. Uh, if I'm making so much, and I, I, without plugging the name of some of the popular banks like in the US or in Europe that are open banking first, you find that these operations are lean. All they offer is I'm a banking infrastructure to you, the market. Uh, Therefore, they don't have branches. They don't have those things that normally, but they still keep making the same money on Credits, spend money on treasury, it is it is it. So I think in that world, in that future, when it does come, banks will hold the regulatory backbone. Uh, banks will hold the core compliance backbone. Uh, and then the general market can really pretty much innovate on their behalf. That's I and I I, I like the, the description there. But in the description you or what you described to me, the customers for banks change. Banks mm. stop dealing with direct with, with, with the retail market and start dealing with other developers or developing companies. Mm-hmm. And then these developing companies now do the bespoke products for the end user. And um, and in that way... My, my guy, how much truth can we tell ourselves? Is that what banks already do? <laughs> the, real, the real customer of a bank is the is 5 to 10% high net worth companies to whom they provide loans. That is true. All of us on the retail end are just deposit mobilizers. We mm, we know this. Mm, like mm, we all mm, accept mm, this as reality. <laughs> Therefore, if that is a reality, to support that deposit base, which is I'm servicing that big man's company that mm, does manufacturing mm, mm, without mentioning names, 
I'm opening branches. I'm having account officers. I'm running agent network. I have ATMs. I'm doing all sorts of retail activity mm. to support a deposit base, which I'm using to make my real money mm. from the 5%. What if I free up people that really want to do that? Like you want to run agent network? Mm. No problem. Mm. Go and run your agent network, get your own 10,000 customers. You want mm. to be one fancy app, go and do your thing, get 1 million customers. Mm. Because again, I'm the repository of the regulatory requirements, the deposits are coming to me anyway without the cost that you should come with it. So I think banks will not be losing their customers okay, because their customers remain their customers, that top 5% that mm. most of the fintechs can't handle anyway. I don't want to be handled by the fintechs in the first place. <laughs> so they won't lose those customers who are their real customers. Okay. But then the cost base with which they were providing the supply side for those customers can be shifted outward. Of course, for that, you, you give and take. Uh, you're going to share some of your margins or some of your processes, expose yourself to some risks to external parties, and that's sort of the balance. Mm -hmm. So I don't think they will lose customers. I just no, think, but like, I, I like, and because to be fair, like the image of banks has sort of like changed in my head. So I'm, instead of imagining a bank as an entity with branches in 50 states or and like tell us, I'm thinking of an official car driving up. And up down. <laughs> yeah. that. I'm thinking of banks as technology providers, you know, like just providing their API. So I have like my credits API, I have my mortgage API, and then tech companies can build off that yeah. and provide services. Yeah. I mean, um, and that's amazing. And like you said, the core of the banking sector, which is their regulatory base and compliance and KYC and all the things that happened underneath remain and their domain, yeah. which, which I think is amazing. And everyone, most people are happy to let a bank take care of it because it's like a dark art to most of the people that are not in bank. <laughs> Again, you can't do banking better than a bank. Than bankers, so most people don't know what that means, but you trust the bank to implement the required processes and expose them as APIs so that you don't have to deal with those things. Definitely. Um, okay, so we've spoken about the banking side of it now. So let's, for the techpreneurs out there who, are, who want to kind of like latch onto this way, um, as the open banking, we've spoken about how it's kind of like breaks down the traditional banking into APIs. So how can, if I am trying to like catch on this wave now, how can I structure my company to take advantage of it in any market? Graceful. Uh, I think first things first will be a small note of caution. It's, mm. uh, it's still very far out there to expect uniformity across the whole world and landscape mm. to see. Mm. So it will be jurisdiction specific. Um, so if you take, say, Nigeria, for example, open banking has finally been approved. Details are not yet clear. Specs are not yet clear. Timelines are not yet clear, but it's been approved and in principle. Mm. So if you take that, for example, if you're a techpreneur, trying to target the Nigerian markets, the first thing you would do is get comfortable with the open banking guidelines. What does it mean? Who is the API consumer? Who is the API provider? What are the regulatory requirements on the consumer and on the provider side? What are the consent requirements as stipulated in the high-level guidelines by the CBN? So first get conversance with that. Mm -hmm. um, now with that in place, you can then start preparing and say, when this thing finally does take root, which markets would I want to target? And start thinking of your product or use case for that target market. And I would say invest significant effort first in tackling that target market. Don't worry about mm -hmm. the backbone, the tech, the API, it will come. But it will come, the definitions may change slightly, but it will come. Oh. So focus more on defining the market, what you have to do, etc., etc. Get clarity on, hmm, 
this is what I do to tap into, to extend banking. Like first prepare that. If only APIs from all the banks showed up, then this thing becomes juiced immediately. Mm. So first go sort out the nucleus of your work, mm. then wait for this open banking thing to happen. Then once it shows up, but you're not giving us coffee. I, I, I asked you for expo. So what are the what are the ideas? What can I go? Like I have yeah. I have my team ready. Octopus Paul. What can I <laughs> what can I build right now? Can I build an aggregator service that looks at all the bank credits apps and supplies? I'll, I'll say number one, you're in the space. So you're already hearing some of what people are asking for that seems mm-hmm. unavailable. People want mechanisms to take money directly out of bank accounts. We all know of the failure rates of cards, mm. uh, the behavior of our people. When they don't want to pay, they go and make sure they, they change the pin of the card. Mm. We know our people's behavior. <laughs> so people are looking for mechanisms to take money out of customers' accounts with their consent, by the way. Mm. So as an example, you could then build a collection service, for example. Imagine that there's a way you can know that Okwe has an account in seven banks. Here is balances in those seven banks. Uh, bank A usually gets credited around 40K on the 24th. Bank B, X only. You can actually bundle all of that together and offer it to a lender, for example, mm. who then feels much more comfortable. Okay, I know when the time is right to get my money, I know how to get it. Okay, but take 500K mm. and <laughs> do that thing you wanted to do as an example. So that's one thing you could do. Mm. One of the well-known problems also in our space is that no matter how you look at our financial environment, financial services in a digital form is still mostly about 10% of our markets. Uh, but no, you can count all the big players Everybody's playing in that 10% bucket. Nobody has been able to crack the informal markets because they are fragmented, low education levels, low digitization, etc. etc. So everyone creates one fancy app for the web, one fancy payment gateway. But nobody knows how to crack. How do I make the fisherman engage with digital financial services? So what's fragmented is difficult. If you could figure out some way to find one niche in that untapped 90%, farmers, uh, fish farmers, uh, I don't know, Rumbo sellers, whatever. Mm. Pick a niche, understand that niche, create some product for that niche. When open banking APIs come in, juice that niche. So, mm. Okay. So I hope you guys so say financial inclusion, money. revenue collection slash mobilization. These are the juice areas. areas that we but most of the data aggregation areas that so when time people say open banking, there's a lot of talk around data, data, data. Mm. I honestly struggle to see how monetization will look like for just data exposure, if you can put it that way. Mm. Because the value in any financial service, as we said at the beginning, always just comes down to risk and treasury. Now, it will all the way you will make money if it's a financial service you are offering is to get a slice of risk or a slice of treasury. So savings products, payments products, which suggest that you're taking a percentage if you're able to get away with it of the person whose money you're helping to collect. I would say those are the potential really juicy areas of open banking versus data exposure. I mean, I'm going to go and focus on building niche products. I want to go and target the fisherman. That is So um while we're building this product, um, how can the regulators help accelerate us? Because now we're thinking of building products for when the APIs come, when the APIs come. If the banks we say that mm, I don't know this open banking, I'm not building APIs, how do we spread them? How do we entice them? And what can the regulators, what role do the regulators play in building this uh beautiful future that we're building. The the most impactful thing the regulator can do 
is to, let me pick the word slightly, motivate the banks mm. to treat it with a sense of urgency. That's the most impactful contribution a, a regulator can give. So you created the environment, you provided the guidelines, you set the general guardrails, what is missing, sense of urgency, some deadline. Of course, with sense of urgency and deadline, you also have to provide, show them why it is valuable, why it is good for them. So I think the regulator, for example, can let banks know that they should apply a bit of sense of urgency to it. I think so that's one. Some pressure. Some pressure to say let's can't mandate them by twenty twenty five they should have all their You didn't hear that from me. In, actually, in every jurisdiction where it has worked, mm. some regulator has come and say, here are the guidelines, here's the spec, here's the implementation partner, here's the deadline. I see. Without okay. the combination of these things, mm. everyone will continue to do their normal thing until mm. you say, no, 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 we're not doing that mm. thing. So we need a the deadline is factor. A, you need a ginger. You need a mm. ginger. <laughs> um, so, thank you. Um, that is our conversation on open banking. Is there anything you want to add, Okay. To anything that we've missed up, anything you like to teach us about open banking? No, I, I think for me, I would just say my usual thing. Uh, the world in general cannot be banked fully and properly by just a few banks. Me and you will get a better banking experience from people who know us more closely. So banking needs to be distributed from beyond the walls of the current banking environment as we know it by the companies that service me and use. So if I'm a student, maybe my special provide me banking services. If I'm a retailer, maybe my distributor or supplier should offer me my banking services. If I'm a farmer, maybe my off-taker should be the one offering me banking. Now, all of these people I've described in the middle don't have banking experience, don't have banking tech, but they know the customer. So open banking will get us there mm. and let us all, let, this is my kumbaya moment. <laughs> let us all just want it. Yeah. If we want it, it's okay. It's come. No, but um, I'd like to thank you for your time today and thank you for enlightening us about opening banking. I think opening banking has the potential to really unlock banking. Like you said, extend banking. Yeah. Um, In Nigeria, we have a large population which are unbanked. So I think opening banking might be the key to banking the nation as a whole. Um, thank you for your time today. Thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to our conversation with Okwe Adeoye on the topic from open banking to open X, a limitless opportunity. I hope you found it interesting. To find out more about us, please visit www.chime.ng. Love and light. <laughs> <laughs>